Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. transgress that just sit where the openings are okay amen acts 13 and this morning I, my my objective today is not to per se hit it out of the park or overturn some deep stone of revelation that's been from the beginning of man but i just want to be practical to this morning acts 13 and verse 13 and we'll also be reading if you want to place another finger somewhere uh, proverbs chapter 24 be reading from proverbs 24 but in acts 13 13 the bible says now when paul and his company loosed from Paphos. They came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, this is speaking of John Mark, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. John Mark had been uh, traveling with, with Paul and uh, Barnabas and such, and uh, he departed from them. He didn't continue in the work. He departed away. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 16, the Bible states these words. For a just man falleth seven times, riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Amen. This morning, I'd like to just teach for a little while, and this is my entitlement, entitling the subject matter, I'll get it out of my mouth, is just one word, and that is failure. Just failure. Amen. We have all contended with it and will probably again somewhere in the future. But just failure this morning. Can we pray together? Jesus, I love you today. Lord, you are my Savior. You're my Lord. You're my King of Kings. You're the great I Am. And you are the reason, Lord, for me being here this morning. You are the purpose, God, of my gathering. I praise you today, God, because you are the Most High that sits upon the center of the earth. And, Lord, you control all things, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, today that you have brought us together again to hear your word. God, to receive instruction and, Lord, commandment, Lord Jesus, of your word. I know, Lord, it can bring, Lord, strength and encouragement, Lord, to our lives. Lord, so we depend squarely upon you this morning for that. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray, amen and amen. And the church say amen. You may be seated this morning. Now, this is something that uh, I'm about ready to tell you that could take place years ago. Uh, in modern day, it isn't so much so the case, but whenever we had uh, the older vehicles, this is something that indeed could be done and could happen. And what it was, there was a, uh, a report that came from the state of Idaho, a police that had stopped a teenage girl in Idaho there after there had been several complaints that in a neighborhood, in an area that a car had been going around that neighborhood in reverse for some time, just been going around the neighborhood in reverse. And so whenever this girl was pulled over by the police, uh, she told the officer that, she had spoke to her parents and her parents had allowed her to use their vehicle but she had put a little too much too many miles on it and she was just trying to unwind the odometer there to get rid of some of the miles before mom and dad had got back home and uh, used to years ago cars you could do that 
You know, you, you could go in reverse and remove some of the miles that you had put uh, on that vehicle and on that car. Yet I believe sometimes in the realm of our real lives, spiritual lives, we wish we could still do that. Uh, put things in reverse and just take a few miles off our personal lives and our own circumstances. Uh, we would love to have some do-overs. Uh, we would love to have a take-two you know, they sometimes they have bloopers at the end of films and where they had to take maybe 17 times just to get a certain scene right. Well, we would love to be able to slam down and say, let's take two, take three, take four, take five. But uh, we don't have that. We don't have that in our life. But there is something that we do have. We do have grace. Have the grace of God, and we should be very thankful. Amen for that. Amen. And, and the thing about grace, grace, grace isn't the allowance that is given uh, in order for us to go headlong into failure, but it is the allowance that's given that whenever we may, uh, by a mistake of our own or by some oversight, that we do fail. And so the powerful reality is this, failure is a part of life. It's not necessarily that part of life that we just want to embrace, kiss, and hug, but failure is a part of life. Amen. And we will all experience it at some point. Many times we'll revisit it again and again. Someone uh, one time had suggested that if you never fail at anything, perhaps you need to try harder. Right. <laughs> Amen. If you never failed anything, maybe you need to try just a little ha- harder. But failure can be a setback. Amen. But it doesn't have to be a total loss. And that's sometimes where our mentality uh, gets confused. We equate failure with total loss or failure with something that cannot be recovered. Uh, years ago, uh, whenever, and you have heard some of these stories, but let me just re- reiterate them today. Uh, whenever Thomas Edison, after 10,000, 10,000 folks, 10,000 unsuccessful attempts to develop his electric light bulb, uh, he said, I've not failed after 10,000 attempts. He said, I've not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that it won't work. Amen. (laughs) He had a great attitude concerning that. So with that being said, failure can be a great teacher if we allow it to be a teacher in our life. I would dare to say that any endeavor that we do and we make a mistake or it don't work, that we don't go exactly down the same path and avenue to come to the same conclusion all over again. But hopefully we are taught something. Uh, We call it sometimes learning lessons the hard way. And some of us, I say some of us, sometimes that's the only school we enroll in, (laughs) you know, is learning lessons the hard way. But we must learn from our experiences, learn to overcome our failures. Uh, Some of the great athletic greats, if you will, of their own era and time, a great baseball great by the name of uh, Babe Ruth struck out 1,360 times during his career. Yet he is still today even considered to be a great hero an athlete concerning the sport of baseball. Another star by the name of Michael Jordan, he said once, he said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. He says, I've lost almost 300 games, and 26 times I've been trusted to take the winning game shot and missed. He says, I failed over, over, and over again in my life, and he says, and that's why I have succeeded. So we, we look at failure at the, the last nail in the coffin when in reality it can be a part of our success. Two great athletes still yet revered today as so. 
but they only got there because they did have in their life some pinpointed failures. Uh, one, I think, it, I can't remember, but I read it before uh, a man said, he said, you know what, he said, God uses flawed people. And the reason why is because that's the only type of people there is. Amen. That's the only type of people that there is. And so we got to understand uh, sometimes that we can fall, but like the writers of Proverbs said, that we can get back up again and learn from our experience. Uh, and I know I'm overwhelming you with a bunch of little uh, quips and things here, but one man said, he said, you don't drown by falling into the water. He says, you drown by staying there. Amen. And so you know, it's another thing to have failed or another thing to have fallen, but it's another thing to get back up. Again, there is probably no greater uh, you know, president of the United States that illustrates failure any better than Abraham Lincoln throughout the course of his life, very inspiring to us, but a very good example, amen, of what it meant to fail just through his, his lifetime. At age 22, he failed in business. At age 23, he was defeated for the state legislator. At age 24, he failed in business a second time. At age 26, his sweetheart died. At age 27, he himself suffered a nervous breakdown. At age 29, he was defeated for being the Speaker of the House. At age 31, he was defeated to be an elector. For the age of 34, he was defeated for Congress. At age 39, he was defeated for Congress yet again. At age 46, he was defeated to be a part of the Senate. At age 47, he was defeated, amen, in trying to become the vice president. At age 49, he was defeated for the Senate once again. And at age 51, he was elected to be the president of the United States. Now, <laughs> the road from back at 22 to 51 was quite a depressing road of failure. Reaching for a go and never attaining it. But at age 51, he became the president of the United States. Now, I, I don't know the answer to this, but I believe it serves to reason would he had ever become president of the United States at the age of 51 had he not had these multitude of failures in his life from 22 to 51. Amen? The Bible in Acts 13 tells us of John Mark that deserts the Apostle Paul and the ministry team that they had there. And we don't really know the absolute reason why John Mark left. I have my own opinions, and I'm not here to serve them with you this morning. Uh, whether it was the rigors of travel, whether it was uh, being homesick uh, for people back home, or maybe uh, the direction they were going, the people they were meeting, maybe it was just too daunting of a task for a young traveler. Uh, nevertheless, John the Mark, John Mark, as they continued on their journey, did depart from Paul, and he went home. He did not go on that second missionary journey. And as a result of that, it seems that uh, John Mark had a failure, if you want to call it, a notable failure in his life, at least for sure through the eyes of Paul. Paul was very upset that John the Mark abandoned them. Uh, in so much, uh, there became a, a little dissension between uh, he and and Barnabas and uh, they wanted to take John Barnabas says let's take John Mark again and Paul says no <laughs> let's not do you remember what happened last time 
uh, whenever we were going to do this. He just ended up abandoning us. So it was a marked failure, and it, it did stymie, uh, to a certain degree, John Mark's uh, progress. Amen. And, but we see throughout Scripture people overcoming failures. And again, it's important to denote that failure is inevitable. Uh, I don't know if sometimes we look at the picture of Jesus Christ and that we're Christians, we're supposed to be Christ-like, and so uh, we're trying to attain for a level of perfection. And let me bear in mind again this morning that we'll never reach that here on the earth. Uh, there, there, is, there is people out there with a perfection doctrine uh, and that's being kind of snowed over by the idea of thinking that we can be perfect while we walk in this life. But I'm here to combat this morning. That's not true. Uh, you, the best that you can get is you have a perfect spirit living inside of you, which is the Holy Ghost, your comforter, but you'll never reach perfection upon this earth. Now, should that uh, discourage us from trying to go on and reach? No. Uh, we see all through Scripture, people are constantly trying to reach and trying to chase. It shouldn't disappoint us in that, but you'll never reach it. And what that should do for us, though, is to be able to handle the times of failure that we do have. Now, whenever we, when our, uh, the, the apostle said he's waiting for his change to come, I'm waiting on mine too. That's when perfection's going to arise, uh, when my change comes. But until then, I'm always going to have failure to deal with. The first family had failure. Adam and Eve, the first family had failure to deal with. And they passed on that flaw to all humanity. So, you know, write a thank you note to Adam and Eve. Write a thank you note to Adam and Eve and say, thank you so much for allowing me to have failure in my life. I appreciate that wholeheartedly. Amen. But there are outstanding. Uh, look through your Bibles. We look through it sometimes with rose-colored glasses. But look throughout the Bible, the biblical characters that we preach the great high marks of in their life. Many of those same people we preach the high marks of, we could preach the low marks of because their characters were flawed. And yet God still used them and interwove them in his kingdom to bring about a perfect purpose. And some of them, even in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, if you would look at his genealogy, most of, most of them are flawed, deeply, horribly flawed characters. But he interwove them into the fabric of his own family to see that through all that, something very grand and precious and rewarding can come about. That failure is not the end. Making a mistake is not the end. Amen? No doubt as we embark on any project, any, anything, we always have a goal that's in purpose uh, in our mind. But sometimes we hit a lot of failure along the way or little hiccups, if you will, along the way. Uh, children, us as humanity, we learn by our failures. Uh, the child that is trying to learn to crawl, it's hilarious. It's funny to see them to try to get up on all fours all fours, their knees, and sometimes they don't get the knees right and they have uh, their backside way up in the air because they're on their feet and their hands. And it's funny to watch them take a few steps and bam, right down on their stomach. Well, we, we don't look at them and say, well, look at that failure. Look at them. They just can't get it right. No. We applaud and we cheer and you're doing a great job. It's going to be okay. And before you know it, they're into everything because they're crawling over the house and then it's a great milestone. But they only reached that and learned that because of all the times they had failed. And yet then they, they get a little bit more, you know, zeal in them. Say, man, I, I think I'm going to try this walking business out. And they, they pull themselves up the stuff and they hold on. And, you know, they're like jello legs and they're standing there. And they let go. They're going to go that short distance. And they take those little boom and they fall. And again, we don't criticize. Say, well, you just can't get, you're never going to be able to walk. 
<laughs> Amen. But we just cheer them on and they fall time and time again. Before you know it, then they're walking all over the place. You know, it's, it's, it's really an odd thing. You know, we cheer them to walk and then later we're trying to keep them from walking. <laughs> you know, you cheer them on to start talking and then you're trying to shut them up. It's just... But they learn all these things by and large because they got some busted lips along the way. They bumped their head along the way. But in the end, all in all, they finally learned. They finally got it right. So failure is a very, very grand part of learning. It's a big part of learning. And you need not to take your failure and just sometimes we can put stuff up on ourselves just as, you know, we could tell the kid, man, you're never going to walk again. Sometimes I think we talk to ourselves and say, you're just never going to get this right. You can't do this. You can't achieve this. You can't get over some things in your Christian walk. And we tell ourselves that. But I want to be a voice of a pastor today that I'm here clapping my hands. I'm cheering you on. And I'm telling you this morning, you can do this. You can rise above this. Just allow that to be a learning process. Amen. It's not that you're never. It's just that we're just going to just try this again. Amen. Failures do not have to be fatal. Failures do not have to be fatal. Sometimes they're devastating. Yes, there have been accidents and failures on the road that have caused injuries and sometimes fatalities. But injuries, a lot of times, it's radically changed people's lives. There have been more moral failures that's happened in homes that, again, that have damaged people's reputations. Amen. Bad business decisions have been made to ruin financial institutions. Uh, There's been failed exams. Amen. There's been people uh, that have taken exams, failed them, had to pay some more money to try to take the exam again, failed it. Uh, Remember when I was working for the surveying company, uh, my boss was getting a license, professional surveyor license in the state of California, and I think he took that test five or six times and every time had to pay a healthy amount of money in order to take the test. It wasn't going to allow failure to define him. And he originally ended up passing it. And so it does not have to be failure or fatal. Sometimes we have careless words in our own life. Spoken at an appropriate time. Causes hurt feelings. Causes trauma. Causes some things sometimes that can linger for years. Sometimes we miss opportunities and that's a failure. Sometimes we take opportunities and that's a failure. Amen. Normally, we suffer some losses when we fail. We suffer some losses, but it doesn't have to be fatal. We suffer some losses, but it doesn't have to be fatal. The Bible says in Micah 7, in verse number 8, and there will be some scriptures I'll refer to today that will be on the screen, others that will not be. The Bible says in Micah 7, 8, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness... The Lord shall be a light unto me. The nation of Israel had, over their process of time, experienced ups and downs. But again, important to denote, they're still God's chosen people. And here is the prophet Micah speaking as a a representative, if you will, of the nation of Israel, talking to their enemies and those that were on the fringes about maybe speaking with some very disdaining, uh, depressing words against that nation that had seen ups and downs. And he speaks to those enemies and those other nations, says, listen here, don't rejoice against us. 
Don't rejoice against us. I know you've seen us have our high marks and our low marks, our successes and our failures. But whenever we fall, we shall arise. And because they would repent to God, God always had a heart of forgiveness and restoration back to those people. And likewise, we'll have our ups and downs. But if we are honest with God, God will in turn be honest with us and forgive and restore. And we can arise with victory if when we fall in the water, we won't stay there. Amen. So everything in life, anything that we do have risk. Choices we make, everything has risk. As a matter of fact, we, we kind of weigh some of that stuff before we make some choices. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever done it, but I have. I've got out the sheet of paper and put a line down the middle, and here's the pros, and here's the cons. And some of them are seen, and there's others that are unseen that I didn't think about that you learn after you've made the choice or decision. Uh, we could talk about this building today, uh, talking about some pros and cons. A lot of the cons a lot of people didn't see when they walked in here. Bishop has related to certain things that needed to be done that seemed like nobody's seen. But everything has risk that is involved. Uh, whenever, whenever we gave our heart to the Lord, there was some risk that we were thinking of. Uh, could, could, could we keep that type of commitment to God? People think about those type of things. Uh, certain things in our life, we commit to the Lord, and then we, we ask ourselves, you know, uh, what, about, what about the friends and families and different relationships that I might lose? Risk involved. I know you don't think about it. It's not risky. You, you come to the Lord, there's no risk involved. But people think about those type of things. Uh, am I going to be called a fanatic or some religious nut, you know, for joining that church or, or going and giving myself unto the Lord? There's all of these risks that are involved. Isaiah, though, he rejoiced, and he said it like this in Isaiah 50. He said, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore shall I set my face, he said, like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. The apostle Paul said it like this. He said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So in each and every one of those things, there is risk involved. Again, if we could just cast our eyes for a moment, since we do look at Scripture sometimes with rose-colored glasses, there have been some great individuals that have been subjected to failure. And if we may just rehearse a few this morning. Great man, let's go to 1 Samuel, I believe it is 17, and let's look again of the great David that was just a lad that goes in the valley of Elah and takes a Philistine giant with a sling and a stone, who prior to that, while on the backfields of his daddy, took a lion single-handedly and a bear single-handedly. Look at this great warrior that ascended to the throne of Israel as a very great king. Look at, at, at the Psalms of he was an initiator of worship for the nation of Israel. By and large, he was one that forged a path of great praise and worship through his Psalms, amen, and through his musical uh, uh, singing and writing, amen. He's a great man. He's considered in New Testament and in Old a man that's after God's own heart. No greater label, per se, could be labeled to a man. Yet in Scripture, he's a man that committed adultery, amen, with another man's wife. He ordered the murder of an innocent man as a result of that. All these things displeasing God. Great individual, but still subject to failure. 
And yet, whenever everything was by and large said and done, he was still considered a man that was after God's heart. Why? Because he used his failure to build his life. He sought a place of repentance. He found repentance. And ultimately, God restored him back to that place of greatness. But failure was in his life. Solomon, one of the wisest men in all of the world. Amen. From then and now, probably. <laughs> well, we got some wise men, but Solomon, the wisest man of the ancient world. Amen. God chose him to succeed his father David to be king over Israel. And we love the Proverbs. I love the Proverbs. Man, those Proverbs I read every month that have such just practical understanding and knowledge and tools that it gives to my life. I love that. I love to read Ecclesiastes and the, the, the little troves of wisdom that are in there as well. And the Song of Solomon, it is just so profound and, and uh, explicit and uh, explaining the love of a God and the love of a church in between a man and a woman and we see all of this great things he he built some of the grandest buildings Solomon did in his his day some of the best gardens that were ever uh, cultivated was in Solomon's day the temple there was never a temple before or after it the temple of Solomon with all the lavish embellishment and beauty outstanding 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 but there's always one of those in our life <laughs> in his old age he worshiped idols he married foreign wives, and he lost his faith. Great person, but had some seeds of failure that were there. Samson, I'm just trying to let us know we're human today. Samson, deliverer of Israel. He was born to his mother and father that were barren. They were barren. You really got to grasp this idea. They were barren, but God said, I need a deliverer. And so I'm going to cause these two people to be able to conceive and have seed. And the purpose, this is really the reality of it. The purpose, Samson, of your birth is to be a deliverer. You have been born to be a deliverer. And we see all the mighty acts that he did. We see the tying of the foxtails together and setting them on fire and releasing them. Although some of these things weren't always God-ordained. And, and we see the slaying of men with the jawbone of a donkey. Uh -huh. we, we look at all the, the tearing off of the gates of the city of Gaza and carrying him off on his shoulders. Wow! We see all these things. But Solomon, or Samson rather, had, had some women problems. Now look. He was taken by Delilah. You understand what the story has happened there. But the end of his life, the Bible speaks of that he was eyeless. Now, this is, this is a very, to me, a very profound thing. He's eyeless. He's around and about in the city of Gaza. He was born and prescribed to be the deliverer of God's people. Man, that's great. But in the end of his life, he's, he's eyeless where he should have been a deliverer. Great man, great strength, great tenacity. But again, failure in his life. Peter, in the New Testament, loyal disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the chosen of the 12. He spoke on the day of Pentecost as a spokesperson for the Spirit of the Lord. But what? What's in his recent past? He's denied the Lord three times. He fell asleep at the prayer meeting at Gethsemane. Amen. He brought out his sword, whatever... He was uh, 
already admonished that we don't need to be doing this and cut off a man's ear at the arrest, the arrest of Jesus Christ and he had a bad problem about bragging about himself. He was a, he was a little arrogant, uh, Peter was. Jesus even called him Satan at one time. <laughs> Whenever Peter was objecting about the things that were going to unfold for Jesus' life, uh, Jesus looked at him and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. They called him Satan. Amen. At one time, even the apostle Paul criticized Peter. Amen. Because Peter seemed to be a little prejudiced against the Gentiles. And so Paul called him on it. Amen. So all this, look at this. Great man. Man, we talk about Peter. Woo, day of Pentecost, Peter. Amen. Going to the house of Cornelius, Peter all this stuff, but when we look at his life, there is modes and highlights of failure. Yet, in spite of all the failure, still in the end, we see Jesus has given him the keys to the kingdom. Failure don't have to be fatal. Failure don't have to be final. It can be tools of instruction to help us learn. Even the churches, churches, can somehow sustain at times or see failure as a demise. The church at Corinth, for instance, they were spoken well of for certain vir vir virtues that they had. Certain virtues they had, they were spoken well of. They also, though, sometimes misused and even abused their liberty in the operation of spiritual gifts. That's the reason why you see those things uh, handled in Corinthians, that we receive our knowledge concerning spiritual gifts in Corinthians is there because they had problems with their handling of spiritual gifts. Amen. And so a lot of times then as a result of that, it fostered division among the Corinthian church. And people were starting to take each other to law and suing one another. And <laughs> I tell you what, once you, get the, once you get the snowball going down the hill, it becomes an avalanche when it's all said and done. And, and Paul accused them of committing sins that even the Gentiles didn't even have named among them. Amen. So he addresses their problems time and time again. But in the end, they seem, to be, they seem to be a notable church that people heard of and spoke of. Amen. Throughout the ages, but they were not without flaw. Amen. And so when we understand that and look at the Bible again and again, it leads to the discovery that although many of these people may have had numerous flaws in their life, they persisted, they overcame, they received forgiveness, and many times in many episodes when they did that, God restored them back to a place of good and rightness in his sight. The Bible says in 1 John 2, verse number 1, speaking about this grace factor that's for our failure that helps restore us. He says, my little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. Okay? And if any man sin. You notice how he writes the scripture. He's saying our target is don't sin. He says, but your arrow's not always going to hit the bullseye. He follows up with the next phrase. And if any man sins. See, he knew right then. He knew right. He wasn't, he wasn't painting some picture of uh, absolute everybody's going to be perfect. He's saying that's your target. Remember, sin is just a basic meaning missing the mark. <laughs> He's saying you got a target. That's your target that you don't sin but if any man do sin if any man sin we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world 
He says then later in verse number 8, he says, if we say that we have no sin, see, he knows us. We deceive ourselves. In other words, we all got it. And the truth is not in us. He says, but here's, here's the clarity of everything. So whenever I see sin, I'm understanding, man, failure. Sin is failure. My target is no failure. But if any man fail, is someone hearing me? If any man fail, we have an advocate with the Father that paid the price, took care of the deed to settle my failure and the failure of all the world. Now, if any man say he doesn't have any failures, is that all right? We deceive ourselves. The truth not in us. But here is the restitution. Here is the restoration. If we confess, can I say our failures? Because that's just the base of what sin is. It's a failure. If we can confess our failures, he is faithful just to forgive us our failures and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, he failed, bless God. She failed, bless God. Yeah, I failed, bless God. But if I can take that to Calvary, if I can take that to the cross, if I can take that to the Father, if I can take that to the Advocate, he can take my failure. And if I say, God, I did fail here. God, I did step off the path here. He says, wait a minute. I'm just to forgive and to cleanse you of that failure from all unrighteousness of that failure. Failure is not fatal. You don't have to backslide just because you've made a mistake. You don't have to give up on a life with God just because you stepped in the wrong direction. He is just. He is faithful. He'll cleanse you. Take your failure to the Father. I think too many times people have left the church because there's been an intimidating idea that you can't fail. Honey, if you want to fail anywhere, fail right here at the First Apostolic Church because the place where you fail at will also be the place you'll be restored at. Because I want us to have a group of people that understand that Brother Terry fails and Pastor fails and Brother Fred fails and Sister Joel Jessup, the elders fail and the young and the old and the middle-aged, the married and those that don't have children yet. We all fail. But that's the reason why we're sitting at the foot of the cross with the blood. Hallelujah. His grace makes restoration possible. His blood makes restoration possible. I am not keeping tally marks this morning on everybody around here. Out of every little whip niche that I hear, well, they failed, they failed. And whenever they get to X number, goodbye. No. Peter said it's concerning the Lord. He says he's not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. So, but he is long-suffering to us, word. Not willing that any should perish. What's he say? I don't want to let go of any of them. He's not willing that any of these should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Yeah, he wants them to deal with their failure, but he's not willing for them to say, well, I've done wrong, so I'm jumping ship. He said, I don't want them to perish. 
Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. It just came in this place. I love you, Jesus. Oh, Shandarabatai. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your love. You are so mindful, God, of your people. God, you are so mindful. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. It saddens my heart really, folks. Sometimes, you know, you've heard it. I've heard it. We've all heard it. Different people you've talked to or witnessed to. I can't go there. If I go there, the roof will cave in. The roof will fall in. What are they talking about sometimes? They're saying that I've been too bad. I've went too far. I've had too many failures. You need to look back and tell them, honey, if it was going to cave in, it would have already caved in on me when I walked in this week. It had already just went flat and all. No, no, no. Man, this has got to be a place where people can be restored. A place of restoration. Failure. Sin, in essence, is failure. There is failure uh, just interwoven in our life due to this sin factor that's in our life. Most of our spiritual failures and imperfections many times in this world, its reason is the sin factor that's in our lives uh, the, the, the apostle told in the book of Romans he said wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world referring to Adam by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death is passed upon all men for all have sinned for that all have sinned and so there is a, that failure factor in our life primarily because we're a part of this thing called humanity. And because of Adam's sin, that passed sin into the fibers of all of humanity. The first Adam. The first Adam that was temporal. The first Adam that was sinful. The first Adam that caused that seed to be dispersed upon all. Amen. That's the reason though why in the New Testament we see Jesus Christ termed and labeled as the second Adam. Because where the first Adam failed, the second Adam didn't fail. And where the first Adam is temporal, the second Adam is eternal. And where the first Adam bred seeds of disappointment, the second Adam can bring restoration. Amen. Where the first Adam may have been a note of failure, if you get the second Adam in your life, it can bring restoration. Yes. Amen. God cast out the rebellious Satan out of heaven. Because he had sinned. Pride came in his heart. He wanted to exalt and be like the most high. And so then that Satan becomes the prince and the power of the air. And in doing so, he, he plays his game well about deceiving and tempting mankind. And so we are born into this world, as David said, shaped in iniquity and in sin. Didn't my mother conceive me? Born into this world with a flawed nature because of that first family. Thank you very much. Amen. And God's punishment for their sin. Amen. Caused a universal fall of mankind. It spread upon each and every man, woman, boy, and girl. So we're in a downward spiral from the beginning of time. We have limited power. We have limited understanding. Amen. Our human nature in and of itself cannot harmonize with God by itself. If we yield to our own instincts, failure, failure, sin, sin, it's going to happen. We'll continue to just be corrupt people. It's our nature. 
But somewhere along the way, there has to be some deliberate decisions, deliberate choices to be made to invest in something that has the power and the ability to overcome our flawed disposition that we were born with. We got to be born again. Amen. Got to be born again. It's one of the, multi, it's one of the many reasons why Jesus told Nicodemus that. Because born as you are, you got failure. You're flawed. But if you can get bored, born again, that Holy Ghost that you'll receive will give you power to overcome your flaws and your propensity toward evil, your propensity, amen. It will not eliminate that, but whenever you plug into it, I got the Holy Ghost and I still fail. Those are days whenever the prongs in my plug-in isn't well in the outlet. <laughs> I got to shorten my wire. I've had that happen before. I had, had you know, something just not working. My power source was good. All the breakers were not blown. I took my meter and I checked the out. I had power there. But then I checked where it was wired into the fan and I've got something going on here. And it's that I got a short or a break between my power source and where the power need to be evident. It happens. Sometimes it takes cutting some things out, stripping <laughs> and rewiring amen but as long as you stay connected the Bible says in Jude chapter 1 Sister Christy I believe we have the scripture in verse 24 now unto him that is able look now unto him that is able to keep you from falling that's not speaking about a, 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 another individual of similar character that's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ that's speaking of our God now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. That's his ability. It's not, a, it's not a self-imposed ability. That's his ability. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Amen. It's his ability. Sometimes failure enters our life because we have personal flaws. When I say that, Romans 7 probably illustrates it best where Paul is worn and struggling and frustrating around with the sinful nature he has, although, although he has the spirit of Christ, he's still talking to us about some of his headaches and warfares that he has between the spirit and the flesh that will consistently be there again until rapture. And he said in Romans 7, verse 23, I don't know if I, I did, thank you, but, if, but I see another law in my members, Paul says. Warring. He didn't say they were shaking hands. He said there's warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. He said there is another law in me that wars. And sometimes, this is basically what Paul said, sometimes it wins the battle. And it takes me into captivity to my old nature. My sinful nature, my flawed nature. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am. And I know, we, we will and will continue to have those moments that after a deed has been done, a thought has happened or something, some type of incongruence between who we should be in Christ and who we once was happens, that we'll have the statement of Paul, oh, wretched man or woman that I am. 
What was I thinking? What was I doing? What, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And he goes on to the scripture and he speaks of those times that when he would do good, that evil is present with him. The things that he shouldn't do, that I do. And the things that I should do, that I don't do. He said, man, this is just a twisted thing. He said, it's hard to keep this thing right. Amen. And so the law of sin, it, it afflicts every human being, every individual. Negatively, it affects us. Amen. And so sometimes we cope with personal shortcomings due to innocent mistakes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we forget important things. We misunderstand things. We speak inappropriately. We overact to certain situations. We make wrong choices. Sometimes we embarrass ourselves. <laughs> no hands have to be raised. Just put them down. I know you all just eager to do that. but <sighs> We injure ourselves or others. Uh -huh. We damage our own finances. We harm our own reputation. Amen. Matter of fact, regardless of how skilled or talented or even successful we may be, matters not. We all still have shortcomings. And so this is affliction that constantly haunts us. Someone once said, he said, human faults are like garden weeds. He says, they grow without cultivation and soon take over the place if they're not thinned out. I never had to put any miracle grow on the weed out there in the landscaping. Never had to do it. Never had to make sure it had the right amount of rain or the right amount of water. They just show up. And they'll continue to do so unless appropriately handled. So failure sometimes is a result of the sin factors. Failure sometimes is just personality, personal flaws. Failure sometimes happens due to circumstances, no fault of our own per se, but failures come because of circumstances, sickness sometimes, failure. An economic downturn in our world can sometimes promote failure. Natural disasters that take place, mistakes of others even sometimes. Mm-hmm. All these things. And many of those things are unavoidable. I mean, if you could have got out of it, you would have been, you know, unavoidable. You try to not allow it to happen. Many of them are, but they still interfere with our life and many times cause us uh, to fail sometimes in reaching or go or, or making it, you know. Moses wanted to lead the Hebrew people uh, <clears throat> into the promised land. He, that, that's what God wanted him to do. And Moses says, all right, I'll go do it. This is what we're going to do. But he failed. You say, well, yeah, he smote the rock. That's the reason he didn't. He, he could only look at the promise. He couldn't go into promise. No. The fail already happened before then because of the lack of the faith of the people not wanting to go when they reached the land the first time. Unavoidable by no means of his own. Somebody else. But it injected failure right there in his life. Joseph told his brothers about his dreams. Oh, the woe. I wonder if he looked back years later and thought, you know, let's just say this to one another right now. You've got to be careful who you share your dreams with. Because there's going to be one or two people 
that you share your dreams with. Those that want to extinguish them and then those that want to help them. So he told his brothers about his dreams. As a result, they hate him. They, when he told him the second time, he hated him even more. And I want you to know something. Joseph's dream grew from the first time. You remember the first time the sheaves, it grew from that to being the sun and the moon and the star. See, his dream was already growing. And they even hated him the more after the, you know, this thing's getting bigger. So they hated him even the more, and they sold him as a slave. <laughs> he has unfair accusations. By, we went through some of this, I know, on Wednesday nights, but untruthful accusations of Potiphar's wife. Man, he had a go. And these dreams are his ghosts, but these other things beyond his control are interjecting failure into that plan, and so it would seem, interjecting failure into that path. Amen. Someone else's failure caused his imprisonment because they were a liar. She lied on him. Someone else's failure caused his imprisonment. Amen. So he had to overcome even some failures, unexpected failures in his life that were not of his own creation. But we know that that, that unexpected setback really facilitated something wonderful in the end. I'm already transgressing time here today. <clears throat> so I'll try, to, I'll try to be mindful. You got a little bit of time? Let me wrap up talking about John Mark a little bit. In the beginning, Paul and Barnabas, this is where our story really began, so I guess we should try to include him here. <clears throat> Besides just mentioning his name in the beginning. <sighs> Paul and Barnabas accepted John Mark on that first missionary trip as a fellow worker, a fellow laborer in the gospel. Mark was young, perhaps. Uh, he was actually a cousin to Barnabas, Scripture tells us. And after they've sailed for some time, and as I said, for some unknown reason, John Mark deserted the group and he returned back home. Again, whether he was homesick, whether the rigors of travel did this, I know not. But for whatever the reason may be, <clears throat> Paul was a little disgruntled over the day that Barnabas chose John Mark, the one who had deserted, the deserter, the abandoner, that Barnabas chose Don, John Mark to now try to accompany them again. You know, like I've been bit by this dog one time. So just what we need to do is get in the thick of things and John Mark <clears throat> be looking for the next boat back home. But as they prepared to go along, there was a great aggression or dissension between the two and a conflict between the two. And it seemed like the best way to handle the conflict and the dissension was to separate. And that is exactly what happened. Barnabas took John Mark and Paul took Silas. So here is John Mark with... You know, they tell you in today's world all these different leadership things. Whenever you look at people, you're supposed to look at them as though they have a tin above their head, you know, that they're good people even though they might have all these character flaws and you just look at them. Well, Paul was looking at uh, John Mark and he was a zero, okay. <laughs> the one head fell off somewhere. This was a zero in his mind. And so he could only see him returning back home, only see them out on that missionary trip trying to put in their labors and he abandoned ship. 
And so Paul has a low concept, low idea of John Mark. As a matter of fact, for that matter, we can see through the story that Paul deemed John Mark unworthy to serve as a companion with him. No word to serve as a companion with me. We're going to travel many miles. We're going to preach a lot of places. We're going to meet some opposition. And you're going to have to buck up. You're going to be a part of this crowd. But Barnabas, being that son of consolation, took John Mark under his wing, long-suffering, compassionate, kind, friendship with him. And over a period of time, evidently, John Mark's uh, trigger reaction to flee whenever things may have got bad or a hunger for home uh, just parted and maybe a little wounded from Paul not accepting him on that next missionary journey. Barnabas just encouraging him and ministering to him Amen. That not only did Mark travel with Barnabas as a fellow worker, but he continued evidently through Scripture to be a blessing to the church because some 10 or so years later from that first scenario in 2 Timothy 4 and 11, I believe we have it, Sister Christy, Paul is speaking about some things that he wants and some things that he needs. And he said, only Luke is with me. And look what he asks in particular. He says, take Mark. That's John Mark that he's speaking of. He said, take Mark and bring him with thee. Now look what Paul's saying here about him. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. John Mark, who abandoned ship 10 years earlier, flawed, mistake, looked down upon even by his peers, most of them, Ten years later, still having that flaw in his history, but now at this point in time, is deemed by the one that's seen him as a failure, the one that's seen him as flawed, and said, this man is profitable to me for the ministry. I'm telling you today, there's several people that sit in this church that are profitable to this assembly for the ministry, and yet still yet in your history are failures. You know what that tells me? that not every failure then totally keeps you from ministry. Amen. Not every... Mark, you read the Gospel of Mark? You know the Gospel of Mark? Write that second Gospel. You know who that is? That's John Mark. That's John Mark. Writing that second Gospel of Mark. And there's hints throughout the Scripture, amen, that even later that he became a companion with Peter and may perhaps even worked as an interpreter alongside Peter. Amen. And there's some, and this is just historical evidence, not biblical as evidence, but some historical evidence. They even believe that Mark also worked in the church at Alexandria those years later. Flawed pass, failed pass, but somewhere restoration happened. And, and his failure did not keep him from being greatly used in the future and I guess that's that's the gist of what I'm trying to say today your failure of your present day life don't allow that to be a total prison that keeps you from performing what God wants to use you for in the future because that failure isn't the say so on that that failure is not the authority on that if you'll stand with me this morning I'll close I'll, I could meander and talk some more if you'd listen, no. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you 
and have a blessed day.